Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast. And I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. As we are walking our way through the second half of the Gospel of John during this season of Lent, we come to John chapter 15, which takes place after the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And he left them with one very important image. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are connected to Christ, we can be fruitful. And when we are cut off from Christ, we will not be fruitful. And in this passage, Jesus tells us we need to stick with him. We need to love one another and we may be hated by the world. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message, the root of the matter. One of the most courageous women in recent times is a woman named Rachel Den Hollander. She is an evangelical Christian, she was a gymnast, and she became an attorney. She was one of the first female gymnasts who was willing to go public with the fact that she had been abused by Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser was the sports doctor at Michigan State University and for the U.S. women's gymnastics team. Little did people know that he was a sexual predator who abused more than 200 girls and young women under his care over the course of at least two decades. For his crimes, he was given a sentence of 40 to 175 years in a Michigan prison. At his court sentencing on January 24th, 2018, Rachel Den Hollander was the last of 156 women who made impact statements before him in court. Her 40-minute address to the court was courageous and articulate, brimming with grace and theological insight. It drew the attention of both the mainstream and Christian media and it rang with truths that the culture as well as the church needs to hear. She asked the questions, how much is a little girl worth? How much is a young woman worth? The value of human life forms the basis of our entire justice system, which is designed to protect the innocent and bring justice to the victims. She pointed out that when victims are blamed or the crimes against them minimized or mitigated, it empowers the criminal and it devalues the victim. She said what he did was evil. Trust was betrayed, innocence destroyed, and some of the physical and spiritual scars would last a lifetime. As a result of her courage in speaking up, she was subjected to public and private attacks on her character. She was accused of overreacting. She was told that she was confused. She was called an opportunist who was chasing a payday. 
Tragically, even her own church community turned on her. Her church was not comfortable with her advocacy for sexual abuse victims. They didn't like her talking publicly about this subject. Some people think we shouldn't talk about this in church because it makes us uncomfortable. But Jesus never shied away from the truth that made people uncomfortable. Rachel said she chalked it up not so much to bad motives as to bad theology. Skipping over justice for easy forgiveness, blaming the victims for alleged immodesty, or refusing to admit that sexual sin can occur in the church. Speaking the truth came at a great personal cost to her. But amazingly, she and her husband remain vibrant worshipers of Jesus at their new church, despite everything they've gone through. How is it possible for us to go through difficult situations like this and come out stronger on the other side? This is what Jesus talks about in John 15. This chapter is still part of the conversation Jesus had with his 11 disciples after the Last Supper. In less than 24 hours, Jesus would be crucified on the cross. He knew this would be a hard time for his followers, and he wanted to prepare them for the trials to come. So in this chapter, he wants them to understand three things. You must stick with Jesus. You must love one another. And you may be hated by the world. First of all, Jesus says you must stick with him. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a simple, easy to understand picture. Branches that remain connected to the vine will live and be fruitful. Branches that don't remain connected to the vine will die and be unfruitful. It's that simple. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. The only way you can remain alive and productive is if you stick with Jesus. If your life gets cut off from Christ, you will shrivel up and die. Jesus said you can't bear fruit by yourself. You can only bear fruit if you remain connected to the vine of Christ. Jesus is saying, I am the root of the matter. As human beings, we're always looking for the root of the matter. What is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is at the center of reality. He is at the core of what is real. We get tired of people who are fake. We get tired of people who look fabulous on camera and sparkle when the lights get turned on. But then when the filming stops, 
they show their real, mean, nasty selves. We long for people who are consistent, who are always the same, and who aren't just playing a part. We want people who are genuine and authentic, and that's who Jesus is. He is the root of the matter. We don't always like it when Jesus gets real with us. He gets real with us here when he says that every single one of us is going to be cut. We are all branches that will either be cut back or cut off. <clears throat> he warns us if we are not being real, if we are not being fruitful, our lives will wither up and God will cut us off from the vine and we will be thrown on the fire and burned up. But if we are bearing fruit, we will be cut back. We will be pruned so that we can bear even more fruit. Sometimes the slightly productive areas of our lives are actually getting in the way of what could be the highly productive areas of our lives. And we don't understand why God is cutting some things out of our lives. But it's because he doesn't want us to settle for second best. He knows we can be more fruitful than we are right now. And sometimes he has to remove some people or some things from our lives so that we can become more fruitful. You may be familiar with the story of Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice grew up as a black girl in the segregated South in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1950s and 60s. Her dream had always been to become a professional pianist. But the summer after her sophomore year at the University of Denver, she went to study and perform at the Aspen Music Festival, a competitive and highly prestigious honor. But while there, she said that she came in contact with 11-year-old kids who could play from sight what it had taken her years to learn. She knew she could not compete with people of such innate talent. She knew she could not be the best and decided that that was not the path she wanted to pursue. So at the start of her junior year in college, she changed her major from music to political science and international relations. And the rest is history. Condoleezza Rice went on to earn graduate degrees in political science from Notre Dame. She served as the National Security Advisor and the Secretary of State. Her life was changed that day when she was 19 years old, and she decided to give up her dream of becoming a professional piano player. God was pruning one branch off of her life so that she could become more fruitful in another branch of her life. And she was able to do it because she stuck with Jesus. 
She was raised in a Christian home and she had a personal relationship with Christ. And because she stuck with Jesus, she was able to pivot to a more fruitful area in her life. Pruning is not a painless process. When God is pruning our lives, it can feel like we are going backwards. When God is actually setting us up to go forward. Sometimes you have to take one step back to take two steps forward. Sometimes we have to start over to move ahead. So if we want to be fruitful, we need to stick with Jesus. Some of you here listening to this may not yet be connected with Jesus in your life. You may have been thinking about whether to believe in him or not. But Jesus is saying here, you can't experience real life apart from him. And I want to encourage you to think about beginning a relationship with Christ. Secondly, Jesus says, you must love one another. Continuing on in John chapter 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. God is love. Love always begins with God. First, our Heavenly Father loved Jesus the Son. Then Jesus the Son loved us, and now we are to love one another. <clears throat> love does not originate with us. Love always originates with God. And because the Father loved the Son, and then the Son loved us, now it's possible for us to love one another. This is why for many years, Lloyd Ogilvie preached at the Hollywood Presbyterian Church and told people, let God love you. Because it's only possible for us to love other people when we let God love us first. There are some people that are easy for us to love and we enjoy being around them because it just flows so naturally and effortlessly. But there are other people in our lives who are not easy to love. It takes work. It takes prayer. It's hard. But Jesus is not suggesting that we love one another. He is commanding us to love one another. This is something we have to do, whether we feel like it or not. And Jesus tells us here that the only way we can do that is if we remain in his love. 
If you didn't grow up in a family that loved you, it may be hard for you to understand that God loves you. But he does. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, God will always love you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Sometimes we think we have to keep God's commands first, and then maybe he will love us. But Jesus says God loves us first, and that makes it possible for us to keep his commands. Out of this huge well of divine love, we are then able to move out into our love-starved world. We don't have the resources within us to love the world, but Jesus does. And he wants us to have a heart for the world. Because Jesus knew that in less than 24 hours, he was going to be crucified and die. And so he told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's how much Jesus wants us to love each other. To love each other sacrificially, even if it costs us everything we have. Jesus says you must love one another. And then thirdly in this chapter, Jesus tells us you may be hated by the world. In John 15, 18 to 25, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. This is the sober truth we need to be aware of. The world hated Jesus without reason. The world may hate you without reason. This is what Rachel Den Hollander experienced when she spoke up about the sexual abuse committed by Larry Nasser. People hated her for it. She was attacked, she was slandered, she was shamed. People don't always want to hear the truth. People don't like to feel uncomfortable. People don't like to be confronted with their guilt or their sin or their complicity. 
But Jesus is the truth, and he never shied away from speaking the truth, even if it made people uncomfortable. Some hated him for it, and some may hate you for it. Jesus doesn't want us to think that the world's hostility towards us is odd, irregular, or shocking. Being chosen by Jesus is both a privilege and a possible prelude to persecution. Since Jesus took some flack, we may take some flack too. But since Jesus won some followers by taking some flack, we may win some followers when we take some flack too. To be at home with Jesus means we are not always at home in this world. Sometimes it means that we are at odds with the world. Jesus is bracing his disciples for some of the unpleasant realities to come. Since people crucified Christ, they may try to crucify you too. And yet, the good news of the gospel is that in the end, it will all be worth it. You cannot get to the resurrection if you don't go through the cross. No pain, no gain. When you are going through the pain, sometimes you think you're not going to make it. Sometimes you think it's too hard. It's too taxing. It's too exhausting. But Jesus said, it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. And we just can't imagine the joy that's on the other side of the cross. Because the world rejected Jesus, they may reject you too. And if the world rejects you, you will remember that Jesus predicted this. So don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. And don't be worried. It's all a part of the plan. And if you hang in there, it will all work out in the end. So on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took some of his final words with his disciples to help us understand these three important truths. You must stick with Jesus. You must love one another. And you may be hated by the world for it. And that is the root of the matter. God bless. Stay safe. See you next time.